You're listening to Soul Sense. I'm Silkina, and I'm on a mission to raise human consciousness through the daily practice of mindfulness. This podcast is for everyone searching to meet their true authentic selves. I'm here to simplify spirituality and guide you to fully trust yourself and believe in your own magical powers, your imagination and intuition. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Soul Sense with Silkina. Thank you so much for being here. If you are new, welcome. But if you've been here before, thank you so much for tuning in again. It's an honor to have you here. And I love being in your presence. All right, you guys, before we jump into this very interesting episode, the spiritual meaning and the spiritual side of our sugar cravings, let's talk about what I've been up to this week. I don't know, guys, I've been reading so many books. I've been like on a book binge. I've been reading everything from Harry Potter to nonfiction books, and I've been really enjoying reading again. I was in a slump for such a long time. And I have to talk about the book that I'm reading right now. It's an amazing book by this woman called Christina Riggs. It's called Ancient Egyptian Magic. I've been kind of obsessed with everything ancient Egypt civilization, I've always been fascinated by the Egyptian culture and Egyptian history. And I think a lot of that has to do with how each and every one of us, I think, have had lives in Egypt. At one point, it was one of the largest civilizations on earth and one of the strongest too. So I believe that if you're drawn to that part of the world's history, you've probably been there in some form in another lifetime. I don't know. That's just me. I believe in past lives. So I believe in that belief. So anyway, this book, Ancient Egyptian Magic, basically talks about the magic (laughs) in the Egyptian time. So like what magic meant to the Egyptians, to the kings and to the peasants and like how the people of Egypt in, you know, 4000 BCE, like how they utilized magic. And the book has some spells as well. It's it's kind of funny because they have spells to kind of make yourself invisible and, you know, to conjure ghosts and stuff. I'm pretty sure that the author was kidding or not. I'll never know. But it's just a really, really fascinating look into ancient Egyptian life. So if you're into that, definitely by Ancient Egyptian Magic by Christina Riggs. Okay, let's get into this episode. I had a chat with Maria. She's a holistic sugar coach. And we talked about how each and every one of us can understand the deeper meaning of our sugar cravings. Sometimes we either eat sugar unconsciously or we don't eat sugar, but we demonize it. It's just so much more than those black and white thoughts or like black and white opinions. We really talk about the gray areas, like what intuitive eaters think sugar cravings mean versus what diet culture things sugar cravings mean. 
I mean, they're completely on like different sides of the spectrum. You have one group that says, you know, sugar is not addictive and it's not a big deal. Um, it's not as addictive as heroin and like that science is a lie. And then you have the other side where they're like, no, there is science that sugar activates the same receptors in the brain as drug addicts. And, you know, sugar is deathly like you don't eat sugar or you're going to die of diabetes. And it can get so overwhelming, so overwhelming. Personally, from my experience, I still consume sugar. But when I did like a sugar detox, a sugar cleanse for six weeks or so, I never felt clearer. I talked about that experience in this episode as well. So this episode is just filled with amazing information on what we can do to release guilt around our sugar cravings or sugar consumptions and some tips to not release the cravings, but to just understand it. And then it's up to you. If you still feel empowered eating sugar, that's amazing. But if you would like to change your sugar habits, a lot of tips in this episode that can help you get to that place of empowerment around sugar. If you didn't already know, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at Soul Sense with Silkina. I'm also on YouTube now, so subscribe for videos. I post a YouTube video every Wednesday. I talk about spirituality, mindfulness, and ways to expand our consciousness with very simple tips daily tips. I'm also on Insight Timer if you like guided meditations. And that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic week and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you on the other side. Okay, Maria, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. So excited to have you here. We're going to talk all about sugar and um, understanding our cravings and especially our sweet cravings. Um, just to start the episode, what are some of the things that you like to do to ground and center yourselves? What are, What is your self-care routine? So I think um, one of the biggest things for me is really waking up early and making sure that like the first hour of the day is for me which usually involves like a bit of meditation, a bit of yoga, maybe a little bit of journaling, like it can kind of change, but specifically waking up early and having that kind of quiet time where there's not noise and stuff. I think that really sets the tone for the day. Yeah, totally. It's so important to meet yourself before you meet everyone else in the morning. I'm trying to break the habit of like going to my phone the first thing in the morning. I find myself doing that again. And it's like, I have to be so aware when I'm waking up, like in that in-between state, like don't touch your phone. <laughs> like I'm actually thinking of getting a digital alarm clock. So I can't use that as an excuse. Like I need my phone. Cause I need to wake up at 6am, you know, putting the phone by the door. So you have to get out of your bed and walk over to the door to turn it off. <laughs> Oh my God, that's such a good tip. Yeah, so like put your phone not within touching distance, I guess. Just put it like really far away and then you have to wake up. I like that tip. Okay, so let's get into sugar talk. Really excited because I went through a health awakening journey and learned a lot about myself 
through my sugar cravings. So I'm really excited for our listeners to really find out more about what their sugar cravings can possibly mean to the, um, to them like deep down. Um, so if I were to take you back to your childhood, do you remember your first memory with sugar and what that was like? So, oh, first memory, that's a good question. I don't know if I remember the first one, but I just remember as a kid, like it was something that we were allowed like on special occasions or on the weekend or something and we would get some money and I would spend, I would like calculate so that I could get like the most amount of candy with whatever money I was given. Um, but I know that from like a young age, it was definitely um, a little bit of like a binge restrict cycle, which I, you know, I didn't know at the time, but now I can look back on it and see it like that because my parents were trying to do their best because they thought they were instilling like healthy habits in me by saying like, okay, you're only allowed candy on a Saturday or at a party or something like that. However, from a young age, I would just go overboard. Like if I was allowed candy on a Saturday, I would eat, you know, as much candy as I possibly could because I was like, tomorrow I won't be allowed it again. So that's kind of the thing that sticks out for me at the moment. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously our parents don't mean ill when they just want us to, for example, stop crying or they don't want us to be grumpy. They just kind of, you know, stick a lollipop in front of your face and like, if you stop crying, I'll give you this. But what are what are some of the implications of doing that you think as we grow older like as an adult like how does that behavior kind of transform to something a little bit deeper like in our adult life it's a really good point the kind of rewarding thing that parents tend to do and not just parents like in schools as well they do it and you know lots of places and it comes from like you said it comes from a really like loving place it comes from a, like a caring place of wanting to kind of show love to a child and stuff or to kind of help them um you know develop good behaviors develop positive behaviors and stuff however as an adult it, it's really not helpful long term because we then see ourselves as needing rewards whenever we do anything challenging. So, oh, we've had a long day. We've been through a breakup. Uh, you know, I've been through a lot of stress. I deserve some chocolate, right? So we end up rewarding ourselves with these things. And when we think about them, well, they're not really rewards because long-term that builds up and, and it really is not helpful for us on lots of different levels. Um, and the other thing is like, and I think this is one of the things we're gonna get into is like, you really want to look at the, the underlying causes because if you're feeling like you need a reward at the end of the day for the things that you've done that day, you really want to start looking at what you're doing in your day rather than, you know, the reward at the end. Like there's some things that need to be shifted there. Um, so I think it, it's just like a little bit of a band-aid for something that's a lot deeper and it instills those habits and it becomes something that I see with my clients all the time, right? It's like, I don't want to give up my reward. I don't want to give up like the special, you know, the joy that I have at the end of the day or whatever it is. Yeah. It just makes me think like, even when you're um, younger, it's like your parents or wh whoever your caretaker would say things like, if you finish your food, then I'll give you a slice of cake. If you finish your food mm -hmm. properly, if you eat properly, then I'll give you sugar. So I guess when you grow up, it's like you don't realize it, but unconsciously you're like, well, I had a good dinner. I ate my veggies. I guess I deserve a little popsicle or like 
some yeah. chocolate, you know, like that's so interesting. I just thought about that. And I think I do that a lot too. Yeah. And it also forces you to, you know, like I remember as a kid, like my parents would say exactly that to me sometimes. And it would force me to eat all the food as well, that maybe I wasn't hungry. So you're just ignoring like your hunger cues. You're like not listening to your body and you're just overeating so that then you can have some more candy later on and keep overeating. So yeah, like it comes from a good place. It comes from like a caring, loving place, but really we've kind of normalized these things, but we haven't really looked at them and realized that they're actually quite harmful and, and not really helpful long-term. Absolutely. And from your experience, like in your work, you're a holistic sugar coach. Um, what can you say about our sugar cravings? Like on a deep conscious level, what do you think our sugar cravings really mean? So it is a little bit different and people have kind of slightly different experiences, but I would say like in a very general sense, the deepest thing that we tend to see is a lack of boundaries and a lack of putting your own joy first and not living life on your own terms is what we tend to see. Um, but there is other things behind it for some people, you know, it, it's related to trauma that they've been through in the past. For some people, it's the diet culture that they've been so ingrained in the diet culture. But what we tend to find is is people not living for themselves. And that's a reflection in the fact that you're not listening to your body. And when you're not listening to your body, you're so disconnected. And the knock-on effect is often that you then think that, you know, other people's needs are more important than mine. I have to care about other people before me. Putting my own joy first is, you know, it's not responsible. I need to have a good job, not, you know, something that lights me up, right? All these different things. And people just don't see it as a priority. And it ends up being expressed often in these types of sugar cravings and um, unhealthy eating habits. Yeah. And for people that are listening to this and they're like, wow, I do have to the listeners that are listening to this and if they feel that they have an unhealthy relationship with sugar, um, what do you think are some of the first things that they can do to kind of become aware of that? And then what are the next steps? Like what can they do about it? So the absolute first, first recommendation would begin would be to begin practicing mindful eating, regardless of the type of food you're eating, be it, you know, refined stuff or fresh stuff, it doesn't matter, just whatever you're eating, start being mindful of it, um, eating slowly, giving, you know, sending off your gratitude for consuming it, and you begin to listen to your body and it becomes a lot easier, right? Once you're, once you're paying attention, it becomes a lot easier to feel what feels right and feels what maybe doesn't feel so great. The next step I would say is to focus instead of avoiding sugar is to focus on what you can add. So three things that I, I tend to give people and you can even do this like a little checklist is have I, um, what can I add to my diet that is gonna fill me with energy? So what kind of nutritious things can I add that's gonna make me feel good and focus on feeling good rather than looking good <laughs> is the key point there. Um, and then next it would be, what can I add that's going to give me fun in my life? Fun does not have to be, you know, like two hour thing. It can be like a 10 minute thing that for you personally is fun. Something that is enjoyable because life is supposed to be enjoyable. And so many of us forget that. And that's such a key, right? So what can be fun for you personally? And then lastly, what can you add that's going to give you some kind of mental clarity and help you think straight and help you feel kind of centered? So for some of us, that might be meditation, maybe that's yoga, maybe that's something else. It doesn't really matter what the activity is, but you kind of want to have those three things every day. 
Um, and that's going to give you kind of a basis where you're going to be more in touch with your body. You're going to be able to actually listen because you're quieting in your mind and you're looking at food in a positive way. Okay, what can I add? Because we always think about cutting out and restricting and, you know, long term, that, that's not really like that helpful. Yeah, I mean, I went through that like for 15 years and it, it got me nowhere. Um, I do still include sugars in my diet. And I guess we should also make it clear that we're mostly talking about refined sugar, right? So not like fruits or honey and maple syrup and stuff. But yeah, I do consume a little bit of uh, sugar here and there. But I remember when I was off of it for about two and a half months, like, Um, I finally understood the meaning of like mental clarity and I'm not trying to demonize sugar in any way, but it's like the experience is just so clear when you don't consume as much sugar as I guess you could. Um, Like I had better sleep. Um, I didn't have the 3 p.m. crash. It's it's quite similar to caffeine, but it's just that when I didn't have a lot of sugar in my diet, and here I'm talking about refined sugar as well, the only way that I could explain it was just like complete clarity. I also was not getting restless in my meditations, which was great. You know, it's like 15 minutes, not a big deal. 20 minutes, not a big deal. Um, So I'm trying to kind of go back to that space where I'm not consuming as much sugar as I can. Um, But I'm also trying not to be too militant about it because I think it's really easy to kind of get into that space where you want to read every ingredient list and, you know, make sure that there's no sugar, but the truth is sugar is everywhere, right? Yeah, if you, especially if you live in the city and you don't, you know, make and grow every single thing that you eat, it's it's very difficult to avoid it all of the time. And that's why I think you, you have to give yourself a bit of grace. If you're going to go and eat out in a restaurant now and again, like the sauce is probably going to have some sugar in it, right? And we don't want to be, we don't want to get to that point where we're, it's, stopping us from enjoying life the idea is to get to that point where it's adding to your life instead and like you're saying often the things that we hear about sugar being quote-unquote like really bad for us is related to diabetes or to weight gain or to these things that we tend to hear about but really like you're mentioning the other stuff that doesn't tend to get talked about as much is the fact that sugar is a stimulant and it does disrupt your sleep. And a lot of people tend to snack on sugar in the evenings as well. And, you know, we wouldn't drink coffee at 8 p.m., but, some, you know, we might have some sugar at 8 p.m., right? So that has a knock-on effect. And the other thing is that sugar also calcifies the pineal gland, which is what you're talking about in meditation. Because it calcifies the pineal gland, it gives it doesn't give you that mental clarity. It doesn't allow you to develop as easily as possibly you could and um, it also can make you kind of anxious kind of jittery so I know I always share that one because I think that one's um, a big motivator for people because we tend to always think about the external but when you start focusing on the internal and the way it feels you can kind of make decisions from a from a better place that feel aligned with you that's such a good point to bring up and I did not know that I did not know that you know, consuming sugar was related to the pineal gland at all. Cause I don't even use like toothpaste with fluoride in it because I'm kind of like uh, reducing things that can clear out like my third eye. So that's really interesting because yeah, without even knowing that 
I experienced like my meditations were so much more smoother. Like I could really tap in super quickly and I could stay in that place too for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Usually I'm like 10 minutes and I start to get a little bit jittery. Um, And sometimes we really don't make the connection, but it truly is the little things, right? This is why I guess having self-awareness is so important because then you start to piece the puzzle together and you're like, could be related to my sugar consumption. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's one of those things where you just start observing it and you can kind of learn a little bit more as you go along. Yeah. Uh, can you also talk to us about how you use EFT to release these cravings? Because I think that's like amazing and I love tapping. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so... EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping, is is one of the main tools that um, I use with my clients specifically for the emotional side behind it. So EFT believes that every emotional disruption is an energetic disruption in the body. And what we tend to see is that there are these memories connected to food. So things like, I can give you like my personal example was FOMO. So I was always worried, like, if I don't eat this today, I won't get another chance to eat it, which was always making me feel like I had to eat it so when I went into when I was able to do EFT on that go into that then you can release the negative memories you can release this um the emotional charge behind it drops away so now I can look back on that memory I can remember it but I don't feel an emotional connection to it and so EFT it completely changed my life um because I had a kind of mild PTSD to to call it something like that for like a year where I'd get flashbacks and nausea and all this kind of stuff one ETF, uh, one EFT session, and it was completely gone. So that was a life-changing moment for me. And I started using it for my own cravings and snacking, like I was snacking in the evenings. Um, I've been using it with my clients now for a long time, and it's been really, really effective because it can stop you binging without um, without having to think about it all the time. You can get to the root cause and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's why I was doing that. And it becomes a lot, lot easier. So I think it's one of those things that's like, I, I say it's a gift from the universe to kind of supercharge us and kind of reprogram our subconscious and just create a lot more freedom emotionally. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about EFT as well. It's like, it truly can work after one or two sessions, you know, of Mm -hmm. course, this is not for it's not the truth for everyone. But I have had some tapping sessions as well, where I've kind of tapped like all these whatever fears and like doubts away. And then when I think about the same thing the next day, I'm like, wow, I don't, like you said, there's no emotional charge to it whatsoever. I can still think about it, but I don't feel that it's my truth anymore. I wonder if you agree with the whole narrative that, you know, people say sugar is as addictive as heroin, because like, that's one of the arguments, I guess, that is being thrown out there. I don't know if that comes from like a true place or even like a good place, or if that's just like diet culture myth. Um, Like, do you know if there's any science behind that? Because people say that a lot. Yes, Um, it's really interesting. And I've looked into this quite a bit. And there are definitely people, uh, let's say medical professionals, with the same level of knowledge and the same level of, you know, um, education, that completely disagree with each other. So there are some studies that say 
that actually, if you look into sugar, it does, it activates like the opiate receptors in the brain, the same as hard drugs, um, and it gives you a dopamine hit, and it is really, really addictive. There's studies done on rats and stuff like that. Um, however, at the same time, I, the way I, well, and then the other side is what you're discussing is especially nutritionists and dietitians who promote intuitive eating and the health at every size. They say that that's diet culture myth. <laughs> so the, the way I interpret this is I'm a lot more flexible and I like people to find what works for them. So when I first was going through this, the term sugar addiction or identifying as a sugar addict at that time was very empowering for me because it was like, oh, that's what I've been, that's what's been happening to me. That makes sense. So at the time it, it served me, but at the same time now, I probably wouldn't use that term um, necessarily because it can also be disempowering because it's like oh I'm addicted to sugar I don't have any control I'm I'm a victim to my circumstances so I, I think it's one of the things where people are always going to disagree what works for you if the term if you recognize sugar is addictive and you recognize that it's addictive for you that might be helpful or not recognizing it as addictive might be helpful for you so I think it's one of those things what is more useful for you on your journey I completely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. And sometimes it can get confusing, right? Like there's just so much information out there. Um, like you said, the intuitive eaters are saying like, oh, that's diet culture myth. I don't know if you follow this woman. Her name is, is her name Caroline Dooner? I don't remember her last name, but she's the one who wrote The Fuck It Diet. When I read half of her book that I decided to kind of rebel against diet culture. And my idea of rebelling was to eat all the sugary foods, which, you know, it didn't end well. <laughs> After a year, I was like, this is not how I want to feel. It does not empower me whatsoever. Um, but yeah, so she, she kind of talks about that. She's like, it's actually um, a myth because um, the same chemicals that is activated when you're eating sugar is the same chemicals that's activated when you're like getting a hug. But obviously you can't compare the two. Like, it's just really funny to compare the two because, you know, sugar is like you're ingesting it and it does kind of play a role and it activates stuff like in, in your body, you know, like it interacts with your organs is I guess what I wanted yeah. to say. Whereas hugs yeah. are physical. Yeah. And the, the only issue I have with people that say that, oh, like, just forget about it. It's not addictive. It doesn't matter. Like, relax about it. The only thing that I find a tiny bit concerning within that is just that the sugar that we tend to have access to is very refined. So it's not just the natural sugar we get that we would find in our environment. It's a sugar that's been manipulated it's been made in a lab there are companies that investigate our biology and, and test these products out to make them so that you keep buying them so I think that there's something there like when we talk about fructose from fruit I don't think that you know fruits and vegetables I don't think we need to worry about those but when something has been really manipulated a lot there's something else there and I find it a little bit I just think we need to be a little bit kind of careful with that because we are consuming things that are very refined, very processed. And they, there's things that these companies do like make the, um, like the salt or the sugar molecules so small. So they hit your blood quicker and things that, you know, just, we wouldn't come across in nature. So I, yeah, I don't know, like, like that's what I say. I think it is, there's science on one side, but what is more empowering for you? What, whatever's the kind of more empowering route, that's what you want to be heading down. Yeah, 100%. And 
didn't you say that also right now in our generation like we are just being bombarded by sugar in general as in if we look back to our ancestors um they didn't have the amount of sugar that we have right now in our world and it's almost overwhelming to a point where we we do consume sugar for breakfast lunch dinner for example and it has become almost normal yeah it was so if we think like kind of before world war ii we we didn't really didn't eat a lot of sugar and after world war ii that's when um they started making more processed foods and sugar especially like things like you know high fructose corn syrup and refined sugar started coming about and it made sense at the time because it was useful to preserve food because sugar is really you know similar to salt it preserves food um and the population was growing and okay like making like processed food we could feed more people right so there was some kind of good you know normal historical things behind it but because um especially like high fructose corn syrup there's some subsidies going on there there's these different things which make it very very cheap it's a very very affordable cheap sugar and so it starts getting added into everything and i think that that's one of the things it's like it's everywhere (laughs) it's everywhere at the moment um in you know anything that's kind of processed so we are just having a lot more of it and we're getting it from lots of different areas and we just haven't evolved to thrive off processed refined stuff right it's we just haven't evolved to that point it's not that it's you know good or bad or evil or whatever but we as if you know our human biology has not thrived to process these things so it's just a lot for our body to go through like we're just not evolved enough to eat the amount of sugar that is being advertised to us. And I actually see this in my mom, you know, she'll watch an ad and she's like the perfect target for these ads because she'll see something and she's like, I want that. And I'm like, mom, you know, that's like not even real food in the ads. They use props that you wouldn't even believe what they are, like (laughs) things to make them look chocolatey or sticky or like super uh, liquidy, you know, like especially ice cream ads. Mm -hmm. My mom was like, it looks so good. I'm like, you know, that's not even really food. Like they, they deliberately make it that way. And then if you want to talk about fast food restaurants or, you know, those, um, quick fixes type of food, like from what I've read, they've literally created these flavors, like in a lab, you know, it doesn't actually come from nature. Like it, it explains why some potato chips have like that perfect umami flavor yeah I mean I've even seen seen potato chips that don't have any potato in them so that's funny (laughs) oh that's scary that's so scary I do wonder sometimes like when I see McDonald's menus I'm like where do their potatoes come from how is it so cheap and why do they taste that way haven't had fast food in a while but you know, when I used to eat it a lot, I'm like, this tastes so good. And I'm like, you know, potatoes don't taste this way when I like roast them at home. Yeah, I mean, we don't 100% know what these things are. But we do know that they um, investigate um, these, these companies, they investigate our biology and hire things called craving experts. So they sit people in rooms, they make them try different types of foods, and you want to get it to the right level, what they call the bliss point, like the right level of salty, sweet, fat you know the kind of the right combination so that it tastes amazing and you want to keep going back for more but it's not you know like too sweet that you're not going to like it so that there's a lot that goes into making these things absolutely irresistible and like you say like I don't know how they do it 
Yeah. And I guess when you see it that way, it's almost impossible for us not to like it. Like, it's so it's so funny that they actually have that as a job title. Like, what do you do? I'm a cravings expert. <laughs> like, I create stuff that make you crave more. That's so crazy. What do you think are some of the things that we can do today to kind of help us to release the guilt? Because sometimes I think when we consume sugar more than how it makes us feel or like how it interacts with our body and our organs, a lot of it is guilt and feeling like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this when we're eating a cupcake. It's like, you know, we should be eating this instead, or, you know, we should be eating a salad instead of a muffin, or we should be eating a protein filled breakfast instead of like a chocolate croissant. Like, what do you think are some of the things that people can do to just like release the guilt slowly? Yeah, so I think the the issue is the guilt is probably more harmful sometimes than the actual thing that you're eating, because we tend to have this tough love approach where we think, okay, I'm going to eat this, then I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to be better. Tomorrow I'm going to be better. And I start feeling guilty. And I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to be better. I'm going to, tomorrow I'm going to start a diet. Tomorrow I'm going to be healthy, whatever it is. And you start beating yourself up. You're like, you get into that mental kind of loop of why don't I have any self-control? Why am I like this? Why, you know, why is it that there are other people who can just eat what they want and they don't put on weight or whatever these, well, these are the thoughts that I used to go through all the time, right? (laughs) So I think these negative loops, there's a few different things. One is you wanna always be focusing on self-compassion and how you can be more loving to yourself because at the end of the day, you can only change from a place of self-love. And I can say this as someone who struggled with, you know, with the sugar, with my weight, all these things for so many years. And we, most of us tend to try and change from a place of lack and self-hate. Like I'm not good enough, therefore I'm gonna change. And then when I change, and it usually, when we say change, we mean lose weight. I will then be attractive and I will then be confident and I will then be able to like go for my dreams and get the job that I want and have the relationship that I want and all that kind of stuff, right? So I think one is to allow yourself to live now, like you deserve to live now, regardless of your eating habits, regardless of your size, regardless of whatever you have a, you have a right to enjoy life in this moment. So I think you have to remind yourself of that. Um, And also go back to the kind of the slow mindful eating, right? The slow mindful eating. And also with the guilt as well, I find that that's one of the areas where the EFT can come in or any kind of kind of mindful practice, any kind of gratitude practice can really help as well. Yeah, that is so important. I find for myself, and I know that I say this all the time, but it truly is just like that one second of um, awareness to kind of tell the voice in your head, like maybe you've been conditioned to think this way, or you've been conditioned to feel this way, especially for someone like me who has a past, you know, of eating uh, disorders and like binge eating and uh, bulimia. It's like a constant reminder. It's not just one and done, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like I know how to do this now and my life is wonderful and I don't crave sugar ever again. And when I eat sugar, it does nothing for me. Like it's just, it's, it's a journey throughout. It's like a, mm-hmm. a never ending journey of always being aware. And like you said, self-compassion is a huge one, like just giving yourself that love and you know, reminding yourself like, hey, it's okay. Like it's not, it's not the end of the world. One little thing I found that to be really useful for people and useful for my clients is to 
flip the questions to be more empowering. So we tend to ask ourselves like why questions, which is kind of self-defeating and just filled with self-hate. Like, why can't I do this? Why can't I, whatever it is. If you flip it to what questions or how questions, right? And you, you can even write a list of seven and ask yourself one each day. So how can I take care of myself in a loving way? What can I do to bring more fun into my life? How can I um, do exercise and enjoy it, right? If you put the, you flip the questions to more empowering questions, you're gonna have more empowering answers rather than the like, why can't I do this? Why am I not good enough? Those kind of self-defeating questions that don't really get you anywhere. They just make you feel worse. Um, and just to wrap this up, a question that I ask my audience all the time is, what is the best advice that you've ever gotten? So the best advice I've ever gotten um, is that regardless of what you do, regardless of what you say, regardless of everything, people are always going to be judging you. <laughs> You're always going to be judged. So accept it, <laughs> accept it and just do what lights up your soul because you're either going to be miserable and judged or you can be happy and judged. Love that. I mean, I feel like that is going to resonate with so many of our listeners. That totally resonates with me. Um, where can people find you if they want to work with you and follow you on your social media? Yeah, you can find me pretty much on everything at the Vida Bonita. And you can just drop me a message. I have like free EFT videos if you want to learn a bit more about tapping. And yeah, reach out. I'm happy to chat to people. All right. Thank you so much, Maria, for your time. And thank you for the work that you do and for helping us to understand the deeper meaning of our sugar cravings. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's fantastic. I hope you have a fantastic day. I would love to know what you learned from this episode. What were your main takeaways? Please connect with me over on Instagram and YouTube at SoulSense with Silkina. Also give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. I read every single one of them and I love them. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to Soul Sense with Silkina wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.